Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode live here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast, where we talk all things talent within the MedTech industry. My name is Mitch Robbins. I'll be joining us for the first time. I'm the founder and managing director at a search firm called the Anthony Michael Group, helping organizations build high-performing teams, primarily in areas like regulatory, quality, and clinical, as super fast as, as we can. Joined, as always, by my right-hand guy here in the office, Adam Sapi, principal talent advisor. We're missing out with our good friend Shandon Hayes and Nick Swag today, but Adam and I are going to assume the driver's seat together and, and get on with uh, today's topic. So, if you guys are joining us here live, uh, let us know in the comments. I'm going to pull up the live stream on my phone and make sure to follow along. If you got any questions or comments, of course, we'll, we'll tackle them head on here. But each and every week, we're here 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern, and then simultaneously, wherever you consume your podcast content, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google, you name it, uh, check out the MedTech Talent Lab. There's almost 80 episodes at this point, a ton of featured uh, leaders from the industry on so many different topics. So. Make sure to check that out. But uh, nonetheless, Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Doing well. Good. So today we're going, to, we're going to talk about a bulletproof career strategy despite economic times. And I think now is really great timing for this type of episode because if the last few months haven't proven that regardless of how you feel about your job, that anything is possible, I don't know what will, right? There's been so many uh, different variations of layoffs going on. Sometimes it's been... Uh, entire organization shutting down. We just saw what happened with paratherapeutics a few weeks back. It's been entire departments decimated. We've seen regulatory groups just get completely wiped out. And then it's been, you know, big time organizations where it's been obviously pinpointed as far as certain functional areas. But the point is, is that regardless of how you feel about your job, you could have the best job ever. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have that job forever, even if you want it to be that way. And so today, Adam and I wanted to kind of talk through how do you get ahead of this? How do you create a bulletproof career strategy that will hopefully be unaffected by economic times, right? And keep matters in your own hands with you in the driver's seat. So Adam, you know, you talk to way more candidates than I do, obviously. What is one of the number one objections you get from candidates if they're not open to, you know, speaking with you about making a change. Yeah. And I will say that I preface that with, gosh, since October, I think that has been a lot less frequent. Uh, I think folks are very not, and I think they've gone maybe too far the other way where not only is, yeah, I, I would be silly not to at least see what's out there. I just saw my three of my colleagues get you know, involved in part of a riff or I'm hearing about it. I have friends, you know, it's a small world. So they're seeing the LinkedIn post just like everyone else. So they're like, yeah, I probably should play defense. And I think a lot of people, in fact, I know a lot of people are because they're, they're telling me this, they're going through a whole interview process. And as we know, that could take two to four weeks, two to six weeks with zero intention of taking that job, but they're playing defense. So if they are part of a, a riff or a layoff in that, you know, three to six weeks, 
they're not left flat footed, then they're going, okay, well, the timing aligned perfectly. I'll take this job just because, you know, a million reasons I need benefits. I, I don't want to be out of a job and it's hard to get a job when you don't have a job all the same. And I push back on that and I say, I, I don't think that's a wise strategy. One, you're, you're wasting your own time. You're wasting the other company, you know, the company's time because it's five, six, seven interviews in, in some cases. So there's, there are other strategies that you can do. So you're not left flat footed if, if God forbid you are part of a, a layoff, but you don't have to just continuously interview, you know, at, at any given time you're interviewing with two or three different companies. I, I don't think that's a sustainable or sound model either. So you're right with that. What I was hoping you would say though, as far as one of the major objections is that I'm happy, I'm not lucky. That's right? what we used to hear. Yeah. And I know that things have changed recently as far as maybe people recognizing, oh, geez, well, maybe I should be open to things. But I think that there's a happy medium. I think that I'm happy I'm not looking is not necessarily the right strategy because you don't know what tomorrow brings. But to Adam's point, going full force, full steam ahead when you don't necessarily want to make a change and getting yourself deep into these interview processes is a waste of time for you and everybody else that is involved as well. So let's talk about a happy medium. So let's talk about the person who really is not necessarily set on the idea of making a change, but wants to create a strategy to where they're not caught flat-footed if, God forbid, the next day they come into work and they get the email that so many people are getting saying, you know, today's going to be your last day. Your number's been picked, yep, yep. One of the first things that I suggest people do is start taking more of these recruiter calls but hosting them in an, in an alternative manner. So for example, I would say the vast majority of recruiters to their detriment call with a particular opportunity in hand as the lead into these conversations. Hey, Adam, Mitch Robbins, I've got this amazing opportunity. I want to tell you about it. Person says, sure, tell me about it. Well, it's this, this, and this. Would you be interested? No, I'm not interested, but you know, call me back if you got something else. Click, right? If a recruiter is doing a great job of being a consultant first and then making a professional recommendation how to help that particular candidate, they're going to want to know first and foremost, what makes this person tick? Why are they happy with what they're doing now? What are the factors that keep this person engaged? And where are the gaps that this recruiter could potentially help fill in by way of a presenting a new opportunity that gives that person that enhancement, right? Right. And so what I'm encouraging you to do as the candidate is start hosting some of these exploratory conversations with uh, recruiters and let them take an inventory on you as far as what is important to you. So with that, Adam, give some ideas of, you know, criteria that people perhaps are using or should use to determine, number one, what's important to them, what they need in their job, what they want in their job and how to help them kind of start, you know, vetting some of the st stuff out moving forward. Yeah. And it's a good practice to do anyway. Some people have never really considered it. I know I'm happy-ish at work, so I don't really think of anything else. Well, to be able to articulate to a recruiter that you know well or you don't know at all, hey, what would be a motivating or compelling reason to consider making a move should you not retire with company X, Y, and Z? I don't know. Or, hey, are you happy? How would you rank yourself You know, in terms of contentness or um, happiness with your job? Eight out of 10. Okay, well, what would it take to get to a nine or 10? Well, I could work remote. Right now, I'm sitting in traffic three days a week. I don't like that. Okay. I am bored with the technology. We've been doing the same. You know, we don't really have a robust product pipeline. So I'm doing post-market and I've been doing this for 17 years and it's kind of getting old. Okay. Well, so it's a new technology. What are some intriguing areas? Are there medical technologies or therapeutic areas that are, you're more drawn to or even a short list of companies? Hey, if company A is ever hiring at my level, gosh, I'd I would love to talk with them. I've, I've always been really impressed with them. You know, things like that. Um, and usually it's compensation, it's autonomy, it's the technology itself, it's scope of responsibility and regulatory. It's, it's a lot of 
authorship in, in many cases and, you know, getting to expand the breadth and depth of your experience there. Um, those are some of the recurring themes. You know, a boss is very specific, right? I, I loved my old boss. She got removed or she retired and now I don't really like the new boss. Okay, well, let's dive into that a little bit further. And um, sometimes there's some changes you can make internally that would help solve that problem. But uh, sometimes it is time to make a move. And so I think just having that practice of telling somebody, hey, this is what I really like. And, and as importantly, I, what these are the things I really love about my job. The culture is great. Well, tell me about the culture. What do you like about it? You know, they'll, they'll do that. The people are great. The, you know, the company organization and the team dynamic is awesome. I love it. And I get to work remotely or I, I you know, whatever I, I like. Compensation, I feel like I'm, I'm paid adequately or fairly. Okay, cool. Uh, what don't I like or what could I what could I top grade if I could wave a magic wand and, and write my own job description? So let's kind of sum up that into a series of criteria. So historically, really, there's only, I don't know, a handful of criteria that people use to determine if and when and where they're going to make a move, right? And so it's people that you work with. That includes your, your immediate supervisor, includes the rest of the folks that you work with. So the people, the culture of the organization and how you fit into that culture against potentially other types of cultures out there, the scope of responsibility that you have now. And then in addition to that piece, it's the career uh, trajectory as far as what growth means to you. How does the opportunity for career trajectory compare in your current role to what could be a different career trajectory with another company? So, so far I've talked about uh, people, culture, scope of responsibility, and career trajectory. We could talk about a location. Some people, they work in the office every day and they live in Florida, but their family is in Arizona and their parents are retiring and they actually want to move closer. So the location could be a factor. For sure. In our world, in med tech, it could be, like Adam said, the type of technology that you are working with or versus what I want to work with or the therapeutic area, the type of patient population that you want to serve. And then last but not least, the compensation. What I always say is usually if we can make these other factors line up, we can make the money work more often than not. Yeah. So let's give the audience a little bit of homework they can do before they even talk to a recruiter. Okay. Because this is about building a, a bulletproof strategy regardless of economic times. What I would do is I would take these criteria and I would rank them on a scale of one to five. Five being the absolute highest. I wouldn't change a thing. One being it's terrible. And I would go through all the criteria we just we just named. So for example, the therapeutic area that my organization is in or the type of technology or the patient population we serve on a scale of one to five, what is my level of satisfaction with that? I might say it's a three. Okay, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to go through all these criteria. And before you know it, I'm going to have threes. I might have some twos. I might have some fives. And I'm going to add all these up. Then I'm going to ask myself, why am I a three and not a five? What's the difference? What's the gap? What is it? Okay, because if I could do this inventory on my own and have my own awareness of where my gaps are, when I go to talk to a recruiter, I can articulate that much easier right there on the spot, right? Yep. And you want to think of a recruiter as an agent on your behalf in the marketplace doing the heavy lifting. If a recruiter is out there every single day having conversations, building a network of people, their whole existence is built on making strong connections between prospective hiring teams and talent that otherwise wouldn't have known about that opportunity, right? So I've talked, uh, I've talked your ear off, Adam. What do you think about, you know, that summary as far as a, a start for these folks? Great start. Exactly right. And, and even if you're like, I've done that before. Well, when was the last time you did that? Was it six months ago? Was it 18 months ago? Do it again because things, as we know, everything changes, right? So kind of recalibrate in, in addition to those things that change. We change. 
So what was most important to us five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe money was A1 and now it's not. Maybe it's time and maybe it's efficiency that takes over as number one. So in addition to that one through five, I would even rank two, like what's the absolute most important to me going into it, knowing I'm not going to get all everything I want with the new with the new job. So maybe the technology is A1 to me. Okay, well, that's good to know. Maybe compensation is very low on the list. Maybe autonomy and working from home or working in this specific geographic market. So I can be close to aging parents or whatever that is. Maybe that's one or two. That's helpful too. Then that way, like you said, if you have a 20 or 30 minute conversation with the with the recruiter, it could be very direct and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Keep me in mind. If and when this opportunity pops up, shoot me a note and I, I'm happy to, to get back on the phone and, and discuss it further. Yeah, and I, I love like that. And I wanna, said, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, this works in any market. This is why it's, uh, it, it is bulletproof because when things are going really, really well, it's a boom economy. You're kicking butt at your job. They can be your eyes and ears for you in a time like now where it's very much everyone's in limbo. It's very much weird Z's uncertainty because I talked to both sides. I talked to hiring managers and recruiters all day, every day, or I mean, not candidates all day, every day. Everyone's in that same space where it's kind of like you're waiting for that second shoot a drop and and you don't really know what to do. Um, and everyone's nervous, obviously. So, man, there's probably never a, a better time than to implement the strategy we we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I want to add on a couple of things. So when I talked about culture, that also includes working environment. So maybe you've been forced to come back to the office four days a week, let's just say. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to do this, but I have to right now. Okay. Well, great. That's part of the culture piece, right? Yeah. Um, so the other thing, you know, I've in a previous show a long time ago, I used the analogy of going to a car dealer and looking for a car and how you have all the all the information at your fingertips now with the Internet. So you could literally walk into a car dealership now and be like, I want this car at this trim level in this color with this engine. And if you have that, great. If you don't, if you get it, would you call me? This is actually the same thing here is imagine getting on the phone with a recruiter instead of them trying to diagnose the problem. You're helping yourself diagnose the problem. Exactly. I've identified the gaps of where I could have an opportunity for an enhancement in my career. Here's what they are. Here's what I'm really interested in. Let me feed this to you, the person who supposedly is very well networked in this space. And can you either A, keep me informed if it comes across your desk or B, can you proactively go out there and find it for me? And I'm a walking placement for you. Right. Yeah. And everybody wins. I love that analogy when you did it before. And it is kind of, hey, from walking around a, a lot for two hours and kind of going through the rows, I've actually done that versus you go to Carvana and you're like, look, I see in the big tower over here, I want that red Rivian, hit the button, send it out and I'll pay you and, and we're out of here. You know, that's the, what we're talking about. So that's a great analogy. Yeah. So we've talked about kind of what you can do as far as your own assessment, your own inventory about your current situation. And again, we're strongly, strongly recommending this, that even if you are thrilled with your your job now, this is a proactive step that you continue to protect yourself and build a strategy so that you're not caught flat-footed, right? Because I'm sure you've seen a variety of your friends be caught flat-footed, shocked to pieces, and here they are starting from scratch, trying to figure out which way to turn, right, for their next opportunity. And that's what we're trying to help you mitigate and hopefully prevent going forward. So you've got this inventory. You talk to the recruiter. Another strategy that you can leverage is start to build a list of companies that in theory you would ideally want to work for if you lost your job tomorrow. And it's going to take some legwork on your end because you may not have, you may have one company off the top of your head. You may have 20 depending on your level of market knowledge within, you know, the space that, that you work. But at nighttime, all you got to do is pull up Google and type in, you know, cardiac startups or top 10 spine med tech organizations in the country, whatever it is, and start researching. 
Then from there, okay, so now you got this short list of companies that you, in theory, want to know more about. Okay, pull up LinkedIn, your network of LinkedIn folks, type in the company name and see who, who are you connected to that you didn't even maybe realize are, is working there. Start having those conversations. Hey, man, how are things going on over there? You know, I'm doing well myself. I'm being proactive. I'm having these conversations. You know, what are you hearing in the, through the great? Start, you're building your own market knowledge. You're building intelligence for a rainy day, in essence, is what you're doing. And here's what's awesome about this. Through all these conversations and all the work that you're doing, you may actually find something that you weren't expecting that's better than what you're doing now and want to move. Let alone being proactive just as a rainy day, this actually may land you an opportunity that you never even knew existed. Right. What do you think about that, Pete? That's a great strategy. And I would add to follow those companies too, right? So as you're doing your research and you're like, oh, this one seems intriguing. Well, follow them on LinkedIn because the algorithm will reward that and you'll start seeing more of their content. You might rule them out and go, actually, no, this is, this is not a place I'd want to work. Or you you paying three former colleagues that are over there and they all say, hey, you don't want to work here. It's terrible. Okay, well, that's good to know now. So that way, if and when, God forbid, you're, you're part of a riff or layoff, well, you can already cross that place off. Like no matter how bad things get, I'm not going over there. So then maybe that list gets tightened up from 19 companies to, to seven. And that's kind of your hot list. And then and then focus there. And I think that's great. And that one thing I'd add too with mindset, I've been part of this, right? I've been I've been part of two layoffs personally, but then you, you go through those rounds and, and then you make it and some people don't. And there's, you know, the survivor's guilt and the, there's that uncertainty. It's, it's just a really, it's a crappy time. I mean, for hiring managers and for people that could be impacted. One thing I would say is this, I know people don't generally like to look at it this way, but you are competing with your colleagues right now. If the next round of layoffs is solely based on tenure or, or seniority or something like that, nothing you could do. But I'm seeing much more strategic, you know, versus broad sweeping. We're seeing like, okay, we had to get rid of three quality engineers out of 14. And they're very strategic on, on who those people are. So now is the time I would double down your efforts. Be a team player, volunteer to help projects that you can, you know, not not to get paid, but volunteer to help out. Get If you're in regulatory, get that, sit down for the REC certification, you know, get those certifications, get a Lean Six Sigma Sensei and, and start training on those too. Like don't burn yourself out, but now really is the time to step up, elevate your game while a lot of people are kind of paralyzed by fear, step up and, and take ownership of the situation. And then if you are impacted, then you can at least sleep at night going, I did everything I could to save my job and, and to you know kind of top grade things. Um, so that would be one one thing I would say too is is do your absolute best. Now's the time to shine. Now's the time to make a name for yourself, a positive name for yourself within the company. Get that online education, continuing education, I should say, uh, certifications, you know, volunteer for to help out and and do everything you can to to make a name where your boss has heartburned going, if I can only keep four people, this girl is going to be one of them for sure. So I've interviewed well over 100 leaders in, in MedTech at this point, well over between um, all the shows that we've done over time, between this this podcast, a previous podcast, the number one, the number one reason these all these folks felt that they made it up the ladder is because they volunteered for projects that were outside their comfort zone. The number one criteria, you can go back and listen to all the episodes. The number one criteria is that they stuck their neck out and they volunteered to be part of projects that they weren't either A, necessarily perhaps ready for, or B, it was way outside either their skill set or their comfort zone. That gave them visibility. It gave them credibility once they were able to deliver on it and it positioned themselves for the next step. So to Adam's point, even if 
you're doing everything you can for the reasons of trying to save your job. It's actually beneficial to your career on the other side in case your job is safe because it's only going to continue to give you visibility and credibility moving forward. And just like we did with the homework assignment, you're like, I love I love regulatory affairs. Well, actually, I just volunteered for two quality assurance roles or an R&D project. I actually found out I love R&D even more. So I'm going to pivot over there. You would have never known that had you stayed in your comfort zone in your bubble. Yeah. So in an effort to keep this streamlined, you know, we could go on and on with strategies. But the last thing I would say is, so we've let me recap everything. We've talked about giving yourself an inventory as far as the criteria and, and the different elements of, of the criteria and how to rank it on a scale of one to five. We've talked about building yourself kind of like a, a, a short list of perhaps dream companies and getting as much detail as you can about them to see if they are companies you indeed should have in your back pocket that you should be exploring and how to reach out to prospective connections on LinkedIn that are working there now. The last piece in that is to continue to build your LinkedIn network with folks that you don't yet know. Start connecting with other prospective hiring managers. So, you know, you're a director of finance right now. Great. Connect with as many CFOs as you can across the industry that you want to still stay in, which is perhaps, you know, probably med tech. Or you're a regulatory affairs senior specialist right now. Great. Managers, directors, and VPs of regulatory in med tech, reach out and connect as many times as you possibly can. And we've got a whole nother strategy of how to warm those conversations up once you've connected that we can save for a rainy day. But the point is start building your uh, connections. And the last piece, I guess, to cap this show off, and Adam, if, if you if there's anything else you want to share, please do. But the last thing I would say is uh, start being visible on LinkedIn. Start engaging with people's content. Start adding some opinions to people's content and make yourself visible online to try and be more top of mind within the community that, uh, that you work and that you serve. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny with the with the LinkedIn thing. Some people are afraid to put themselves out there. The scenario you described, I, I was trying to play devil's advocate. I literally can't think of any reason why if I'm a hiring manager and I get a LinkedIn request from somebody in my space, why in the world would I not accept that? Especially if they have a nice authentic note. Hey, you know, as a regulatory affairs subject matter expert, you know, within the life sciences community, I'd welcome the chance to stay connected. Something short and sweet. Like, of course, I'm going to accept that person. And now, you know, now you're connected and you're seeing their stuff, they're seeing your stuff. It's a, it's a, it's such a, a sound strategy. It really is. So the average connect rate is probably between 15 and 30%. If it's like total, you know, and I'm thinking more so like consultants or recruiters or salespeople that are reaching out right. to the community that they're trying to sell to. Right. But I don't have data to back this up, but I would venture to say that somebody who works in the exact same space, almost as peers or colleagues or within that kind of same ecosystem, that res- that connect rate has got to be over 80%. It has, it has to, to be. be. I was going to say uh, north of 90, if, if not. I mean, unless they're just not active on LinkedIn at all. And you can tell by the connections. If somebody has 500 plus connections, that means they're fairly active. They'll accept your request. I, I know it. I, I, I know it. And that's a good a good way to stay connected with people for sure. Well, guys, we're here to serve uh, to serve you, uh, we work, I would say, probably the vast majority of the time within regulatory, quality, clinical. We do a decent amount of work in uh, market access and, and reimbursement. But we work coast to coast from the staff level up to the VP level as our day jobs. We're headhunters by trade. I've been doing this almost 15 years this year. Adam, I think, is this going to be your 10th year? Yeah, it will. Crazy, crazy. Yep. So if there's any questions or concerns, we're always happy to, to field your questions. You send us a direct message. You can reach out to us via email. Um, the name of the search firm that we work at is the Anthony Michael Group. But in the meantime, uh, we appreciate you being here. If you were here with us live today, we hope that you get value from this if you're listening back. And we will be back with another live MedTech Talent Lab podcast episode next Wednesday. 
11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Thanks, Adam. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.